All right, well, we're back. Uh, day late, dollar short, or whatever it is they're saying these days. Kids have got their uh, things and their wordifications, which make no sense. So, you know, wordification's a word, right? No. <laughs> no? Okay, nope, well. Not, not that I'm aware of. Okay, well, um, that happens too. I caught the ass end of one of Elon Musk's sketches on uh, SNL, oh, and it was uh, I, I have to horrifyingly say that cringy. That man has successfully pulled off the best pump and dump ever. Oh, yeah, and, hasn't he? And, and I was right last week. I just want to. I just want to hold that out there. Amongst two other people going, oh no, it's not gonna go down. I was like, nope, nope, it's gonna go down. This isn't sustainable. I was. I, I mean, it, it only went up because of him to start with, right? Like it was hovering between thirty and forty, and then he did his, oh, I bought a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, and then he did the, and to follow it up, Tesla is going to accept Bitcoins, and then all of a sudden, you know, Bitcoin surges to sixty. He probably sold all of the crap that he bought at forty. And at that point, you know, he actually made money for Tesla for the first time in years. And then he turns around and says, oh, no, no, we're not accepting payments anymore. Cause, cause, oh, well, yeah, actually, you know. you know, that's that's a really funny point, too, because one of his big uh, the big pet peeve that he had, at least as far as the tweets concerned. I mean, who knows what goes on in the mind of that mad genius. But his tweet was uh, basically to the point of. Until Bitcoin is more sustainable, I mean, nope. I'm obviously paraphrasing here, but it was something like uh, so much power is used for Bitcoin. And lo and behold, 74% of the power used to uh, provide for Bitcoin is renewable and sustainable entirely because it seems these crypto miners don't want an interruptible power supply. So a lot of this is on hydro and on uh, solar with battery backups. Right. Well, yeah, it, it, and that's that's kind of the thing. It's um, Or geothermal, was, for that matter, as well. There's a lot of that in the... Um, I'm not I'm not so like sure geothermal as much, but you'll see uh, at the well, end of the day... in the areas day, where it exists, I should say. At, at the end of the day, supply interruptions aren't as much of a problem for fossil fuels as they are for uh, renewable energy. But at the end of the day, renewable energy is subsidized so heavily that the payback period is pretty good uh, for, through, you know, U.S. government subsidies and Chinese subsidies and everywhere else that at the end of the day, you'd be stupid to not sit there and put something in there because you get to write off most of the solar panel within four or five years, uh, get tax credits accordingly. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you're not actually paying uh, the grid. You're not paying for anything. So there was a period of time. Or in the crypto circles, they were actually advertising, uh, you know, ASIC rigs, which are the uh, specialized circuitry rigs to go mine it, that would be, you know, Bitcoin rig in a box. And it would basically be a shipping crate. It would have a solar panel on top, a battery backup system in there, and it would just automatically connect. So you just drop it in the middle of a field somewhere and you don't have to worry about the housing space or anything else. You just buy cheap, a cheap set of land and you don't have to build the infrastructure or anything else. And that's what they were doing. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's not just a non-interruptible power supply because you can get that from pretty much anything. Uh, but it does happen that you know most of it's on hydropower or any one of these other things because uh, assuming that you build it properly with all the subsidies, it's cheaper. Uh, I actually looked at doing that myself for a little while. 
was uh, was was supplying my house with renewable energy. As much as I am opposed to renewable energy, but the subsidies are that good. Well, what is it they say? You don't want to leave any money on the table, right? Well, and that's really what it is, right? So most people, most homeowners can't abuse the subsidies. But if you happen to be a crypto person, you absolutely can. There's no reason why you can't turn around and take all of the subsidies associated with generating power, which, you know, if you're if you happen to be hooked into wind is going to be whatever the, the costs are to generate that tie your system in. However, you have to tie your system in, take all the credits and all of the, the tax rebates from that power and then just turn that power directly into bitcoins, uh, which is already profitable, you know, at cost from the system. But when it's all subsidized power, it's it's a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah, so why that's, not have that's, them pay you to mine the coins, right? Right, and that's really what it is. So it's not, you know, people turn around and go, oh, because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a reliable or uninterruptible power source. Hate to tell you, renewable energy is not reliable and it's not uninterruptible. Like, the reason that people are doing it is because there is a huge amount of subsidies for this power. And in the case of, of something like the stuff that's being mined in China, which is a, a huge portion of it, that is a lot of hydro. They, they are building coal. To supply those plants, but most of the the major uh, power centers are going to be stuff like the uh, the Three Gorges Dam and stuff like that, which are major major power generators for them. Um, well, speaking of, the we United... haven't heard much about the Three Gorges Dam. I wonder if it's uh, still in horrifying danger of completely collapsing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming they stabilized it. I mean, considering they can throw as billions and billions of people at it and just pat it with the blood and viscera that it requires. Yeah, that's entirely uh, possible. They may have just crammed people into the cracks until they were full. Right. Like, it's not like... Uh, I don't think... It, let's let's take a look well, here. Well, yeah, I shouldn't say people. They probably... Uh, oh, no, I I shouldn't make that joke. No. Well, let's just say that the uh, the CCP probably doesn't view Uyghurs as people. I think it's yeah. safe to make the joke in that format. Uh, yeah, no, it just looks like they were... Uh... No, uh, it, it's it's all uh, all beginning or middle of the year there and just shows some stuff saying, hey, you know, what happens if it would occur? And I'm not seeing anything that suggests it actually did. Mm, now, so of course, we would never know. Buried, then. We'd, we'd, we'd never know one way or the other, but. Right. I mean, this um, is CCP, so. Yeah, we'd, oh. we'd not hear much of it, to be sure. We, we wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, that that's in the U.S. It tends to be solar powered. And and they're, you know, as somebody who is vehemently opposed to solar power, uh, when I was trying to, to when I was looking into crypto mining, I was very, very tempted to go with that because I'd be able to consume all the power that I produced tie into the grid only during the nighttime when the solar solar isn't generating. And uh, it would basically have been the government paying me to generate are paying me to make bitcoins and that's that's pretty great that's a pretty great setup right there well yeah as as i was saying you know and as everyone has heard it's just you're leaving money on the table if you're not taking advantage of it and i mean that that when we start talking about the subsidies that's why everybody and their brother uh you know runs a solar company right you know you get like seven or eight of them operating in the area and that's because well you know you get uh, 60 within five years uh, 65% of the solar panels. Actually, I think that you get to deduct uh, the same year right now with the, the executive order. I'm assuming that's still going on from Trump. 
But if you're able to deduct it in the same year, now it's 130 percent uh, of the value of the solar panel gets to be deducted in one year. Uh, but previously, you actually used to be able to take off, uh, you know, basically 65. You could deduct. So, so when you deduct it, it comes out to be like a 30% tax credit you back. But it, you get to deduct 130% in one year now. It used to be in five years. And if you were to consider most other plants, the best you're going to get is close to 100% at the end of 20 years. So, um, and that's depreciation in all of those other other cycles. But yeah, solar solar is is very very deeply subsidized. Wind is paid to generate, which is one of the reasons why that those markets tend to be unstable and why we're why power Speaking costs of are unstable going up. Unstable wind power. That's what happened in Texas just a few months ago. Don't forget well, that's, everybody. That's one of them. But I mean the well amongst other issues. But I mean that was that was kind of the uh, the linchpin, as it were. Stuff, stuff like or, or generators like solar and wind, um, because they get preferential treatment and they get paid regardless of whether they generate or not, um, and they don't have to tie into the system, they actually spike it on both ends. Not only do you have to pay a premium when they go down, because instead of having just just a, 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 just a small amount of base load, you get that huge base load spike that you have to compensate for that we just got rid of. Uh, and then on the other side of things, when they're actually generating, they spike the power grid so much that the the power can actually go negative. So we end up having to pay people to take the power. Um, and those are the kinds of things that uh, Bitcoin miners can take advantage of because that's all they're doing. They'll take the subsidies, they'll they'll take the money, uh, and they'll buy it at you know whenever they buy it, and uh, and just basically stick something out in the field and have the government pay them to print virtual money. That's a pretty good racket. Yeah, it is. It, it's, but it's not a, it's not a reliability thing. If it was a reliability thing, we wouldn't have the problems that we do in Texas or with. Yeah, fair. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we we learned about that in Texas just uh, just a short time ago. Yep. And uh, but, that's that's a lesson a lot of people are going to remember for the rest of their lives, as well as as a, as a as a point of reference. You can actually uh, go and take a look and find out the payback period per state uh, for for something like solar panels. And it wouldn't be a payback period per state if it wasn't for the fact that the state subsidies make a difference. And so you go to a place like Massachusetts, which is not, you know, what we would consider the solar the solar holy grail of the nation. And at least uh, at least a few years ago, the payback period was somewhere was the shortest in the nation. It was somewhere between three to five years. You don't uh, say in sunny Massachusetts, in sunny Massachusetts. Yes. Um, So that's that's how the the wide open, sunny plains and fields of Massachusetts as as they're well known. Oddly enough, it was uh, for for all of the things that come from New York. We do not have as good of a subsidy program as Massachusetts. In fact, there's many other sub, uh, states that subsidize it more heavily than New York, which was one of the reasons why I didn't buy it. Well, it's kind of hard to put on the side of a building, and since New York City is all that actually exists in New York State, you know, it's oh, not really ooh. something you would want to, you know, put much consideration into. Well, yeah. the uh, in, there there's two reasons why I didn't. One is I have a um, I have a slate roof, and because I have a slate roof, uh, you know, trying to install a uh, install a solar system on my 120 year old roof is is not necessarily the wisest choice. 
and slate roofs tend to last a hell long, longer than solar panels do so uh, why would i damage my roof for you know a moderate gain in power and number two um aside it, you know if i came through all of the complicated nature of that stuff then you know i'm, I'm still going to be dealing with it in 20 years as uh you know e-waste when i have to get rid of it so uh, between that and the the damage that it would do to the roof and the fact that it wasn't as heavily subsidized as i wanted in new york it wasn't really worth doing it was close though it was really really close <laughs> like really 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 close if I was mining Bitcoin, I sure as hell would have. All oh, right. Because I can buy unlimited solar panels and take the same credit on each one. There is no scaling factor. Really? Yep. Well, yeah, I guess if you've got the capital, it's just one of those go ahead and get in and do it kind of things if you can. Well, and that's, again, that's And we can rest assured that those are not going away for at a minimum of two years a realistic minimum of four years and a reasonable minimum of about five, no matter what happens. So, you know, might as well take advantage, right? That's exactly right. Like best case scenario, those are gone in four years and a few months, best case scenario. And I'm not necessarily looking forward to a best case scenario. We've seen what kind of, uh, well, we've seen what hoping gets you, you know? It's, uh... uh, you know, the the bottom line is, and and so I remember this. So for our younger viewers, right? I'm thirty, I'm thirty six years old, so um, been around the block a little while. But the the problem that you have is that the renewable energy folks are selling a perpetual dream, right? Solar is always right around the corner. It's always one step away from the massive innovation that will allow us to power our entire industrial society off sunshine and unicorn funds. Um, it never happens. It never occurs. But we're always, you know, just a, a small distance away. Um, and because of that, uh, what ends up happening is the solar advocates come in and they basically say, oh, well, if we just subsidize it a little bit longer the problem will go away and they never do because they're not actually like you can't you can't solve an unreliability problem you know the sun will always well for the, for all intents and purposes the sun will always rise in the east it will always have about 12 hours of daylight there will always be a variance between january and july and there's nothing that you can do uh, there's nothing that you can do to to change those factors so uh, if you want to start talking about storing energy, we've done energy storage calculations before on the show, and uh, it's just not its not particularly practical. Yeah, well, much as I hate to agree with you, it's still kind of not there. And unfortunately, it's seen a lot of money. It, it, it has seen a lot of money with no progress, right? Like... There are well, there not are no progress, but not the kind of progress we would have seen out of nuclear with the same kind of investments. I I would say that there's pretty much no been no progress. Like there's been a reduction in cost, but that pretty much only happened in a single year. And you know what happened that year? That was when China started subsidizing their panels that they could send over to the U.S. Right. So the China decided to try to basically take our money because we were subsidizing solar. So they dumped a whole bunch of money into getting their startups going, which resulted in 
their costs getting subsidized and all of a sudden the the actual cost of a solar panel plummeting that's not that's not a a great innovation in technology realistically most solar panels are still just about as efficient as they used to be they're just cheaper because we buy them from china how terribly exciting yeah, and that's that's kind of the problem that you run into is that there there really isn't. You want to start talking about the the innovation that's needed. It's like uh, I think I saw an estimate that said that if we were to sit there and try to do our society uh, using solar and batteries, battery technology would have to drop in price by ninety percent. Yeah, batteries are not tremendously um, not tremendously efficient, even still. Even with the most cutting edge battery tech, they're kind of they're starting to hit a bit of a wall with what we use. I mean, well, we're, we're getting to where we need small generators, really. They, um, the, the problem that you have is that you can only fit so many electrons in a small space, right? And we are at, you know, we've been at nanoscale manufacturing for, you know, years now, probably well over a decade. And being at nanoscale manufacturing, we can stack those those atoms and uh, the the those atoms as efficiently as possible. And it doesn't change the fact that when you want to stuff more electrons in between other electrons, there's only so many you can stuff there. That's the limitation that you have. And everybody keeps on thinking there's going to be this massive technology wave, but the reality is that we always face the law of diminishing returns. The amount of effort that it takes to make X percent gain, uh, it, the, or the percent gain that we get is basically half compared to the amount of investment that we have to do to get it. And we've already, like, we accomplished batteries a long, long time ago. Like, we, we, we solved a lot of those problems, but we're not going to be able to get it much better than a lithium battery, and that's ridiculously expensive. So now you run into scarcity problems and a whole bunch of other stuff. But in any case, going back to Bitcoin. Yeah, we did get a little bit off the off the ranch on that one, I guess. Yep. Yeah, but that's fine. <sighs> Batteries and battery tech, though. That is actually a really interesting topic, but it's... We, uh... I mean, if we're to believe what we can... If we're to believe our eyes, battery tech has existed since late Egypt, so... Uh, it's certainly plausible. I mean, plastics also could have existed as as early as late Egypt. Um, so that's that's not really a surprise. It wouldn't have been particularly strong. Uh, of course, you know, battery um, tech. If you believe ancient aliens, battery technology has been around a hell of a lot longer than that. Well, I mean, we've got the uh, recent disclosures from everywhere. They're basically saying that uh, UFOs are absolutely a thing, and we're expecting some sort of really big disclosure very soon. Out of I'm going to say the Navy. So you know, if you look at that and the technology, the progression there, I mean, it's going to have existed in some form for some amount of time longer than we've been able to appreciate it what for what it is. So I, I mean, I, I will say, I will say. So what are the UAPs now? Um, the bottom line is drone tech has gotten a lot better. And uh, hey, come on, pup, you, you can't just go steal that. That steak is rotten. Go away. Just trying to steal stuff out of trash. No rotten steak as, for you. As pepper. as a dog, as a dog is wont to do. Um, but you know, one of the problems that you have when you start talking about these UAPs is drone technology has gotten really, really good. 
um, underwater vehicle technology has gotten really, really good. Deployment technology has gotten even better. So by the time you add it all up to turn around and go, oh my god, it's clearly got to be a UFO, you know, or a, a flying saucer from outer space, I, I suspect, based on my understanding of the world, that it is far more likely that the, uh, the, the it's a drone technology from an adversary that we don't know or don't understand. They've had better job keeping under wraps. Or, alternatively, one of our own that we've done a really good job keeping under wraps. That because is possible. But, I mean, the... the implications on some of that are pretty... Uh... Well, I guess no more troublesome than anything else we've seen over the past year, right? I mean, we've seen that not the really. People that try and lord over us are really quite capable of anything, as uh, depraved and vile as you might ever imagine. So, well, don't 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 think of it as a like this is, wouldn't if we were use if the UAPs were our own technology, that's not depraved in any way, shape. No, or no, no. I don't. Right? I don't mean that specifically. I just mean that the people that uh, intend to lord over us are quite capable of anything. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you. Uh, the United States government doesn't talk about the cool shit that it really does. Yeah, but right? but I mean the the specific implication I'm getting at here is that there exist vehicles that are no bigger than a say bus semi that are able to produce within their own confines as much power as the earth produces entirely with all of our publicly known power production facilities and it can do it on a consistent basis second by second not you know over time so that means that there are power solutions out there today right now that have been said to exist and haven't been explained unfortunately that could power the whole world with ease and we're being denied them well I mean, I, I don't think that there's any evidence that it, you know, the entire Earth's power output, which is well, uh, to get something to go at a particular at uh, you know these speeds and make these turns and changes, it's going to require energy. And to yeah, but it's not not as much as you might think, right? You have a uh, if you do an ultralight shell, right? Which is uh, anything that's going to be aerial is automatically going to be built with probably carbon fiber and various other things. Having a bus of carbon fiber is probably uh, not not a terribly large investment in terms of mass. You're probably looking at well under a ton, and oh, that's, uh, that's yeah. pretty. So, I mean, you know, we have missiles that probably weigh more. And, you know, some of the older cruise missiles could easily do these kinds of turns and maneuvers. And uh, well, not 90-degree turns. I mean, that's not something oh. a missile can do. I mean, always you can't be, wary be going of... forward and then just go backwards. Not always, with, uh, not with any disclosed tech. Always be wary of uh, claims associated with the speed direction change of an object, and I simply say that because pretty much everything that we deal, while we like to think in Cartesian coordinates x y z, uh, the reality is our world is more in polar coordinates, which is r comma theta. So it may appear to be a much more drastic change than it really is, because as soon as something's in the air, we're not so good at doing reference points. And this is actually some of the stuff that's come forward 
when well, people true. are showing videos Actually. of like Mothman and stuff like that. So these things may look like they're doing these radical things. And it's just because we looked at it at a weird angle or we overreacted and we overreported or we saw something do something that we weren't expecting it to. And we, you know, kind of, well, I guess what all we can say about this is it'll be interesting to see what comes up in disclosure. Right. Because based on what they say there, then this would lean more towards, you know, my point of view that someone be it us, be it an enemy power, be it an extra dimensional tentacled beast or, uh, you know, somebody from another world, what have you, has this tech and it's here. So yep. I guess we're I guess we're going to see. It all It all depends on the disclosure that's going to be coming from that. And Which most likely is going to be just gonna... as boring as all of the other disclosures they've ever done. Well, considering the uh, absolute boring sack of shit empty suit we've got at the head now, then... You know, yep. I would expect they're going to do everything they can to make everything as boring as possible because the world is rather quite exciting at the moment. Although, I mean, this last week has been slightly less, you know, insane and exciting. I will I will offer that uh, I, I have full faith that if we did, in fact, have aliens and alien technology that we knew about, that President Trump would have told us not because of the goodness of his heart, but because the damn dude couldn't keep his mouth shut. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps not as well, though. I mean, you know, there's a lot of military action that got done and we still don't know about. So uh, true. there was a lot. He's an he's an interesting guy and an interesting leader. And it's a shame that Joe Biden was installed as our president because it, another four is. years would have done a lot of good for America, a lot of good for further disclosure for that matter as well. But you know, here we are. So we've got to uh, we've got to suffer through this and try and make it to the other side as um, safe and sane as we can, right? That's right. <sighs> so that's what we do. Twenty twenty two, twenty twenty two, boys and girls. Twenty twenty two. That's when it starts. And you know, if uh, some patriot out there is uh, listening to me, I am not giving you any advice on what to do. Just uh, be a patriot and keep yourself fucking safe, because the world's crazy. Yep. I mean, you know, it, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird, too, because you see stuff like, like I said, I listen to Tim Pool, and that dude sounds damn near like a prepper sometimes. And, uh, well, it's because he kind of gets it. Kinda What's that? Gets, well, it's because he kind of gets it. Well, I mean, I, I, get, I, I understand it, but I also think it might be a little bit on the excessive side. So I'm not, uh,. I would I, say I, uh, not, honestly. You I mean, don't think the thing so? About, the thing about it is you've got to consider his point of view, too. He's been in conflict zones. And so he's seeing the start of that here. And no one alive today has seen what civil war is like in America. And even the ones That's who true. did see what it was like, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be rather different. So the prepping that's being done now is, I mean, really all just kind of an exercise in conjecture, really, because there's going well, to be infrastructure that's left, and infrastructure's not going to be so much of a target for the people that are fighting each other. Third parties, that's another matter. You know, you, you take the uh, colonial pipeline hack, as a matter of fact, as a... God, that's a perfect segue, isn't it? Yeah. So... 
Yeah, you know, you take the um, Colonial Pipeline, which now the uh, the Biden White House is telling us was not actually by Russia, just happens to be a uh, hacking group that headquarters themselves there, which, I mean, why wouldn't you? They, uh, they don't well, really I... care about IP law. They don't really care about other countries. I mean, it's a pretty pretty choice place to be if you're not I Chinese. Mean, it, at, at the end of the day, right, this was the same exact state. When, when it came down to the stuff that we were talking about and dealing with, um, with the, uh, the, the whole 2016 Russia hucked, hacked, you know, Hillary Clinton, that was literally the extent of the evidence associated with those claims was quite literally that the hackers originated in Russia. And there, the Democrats argument was that ever anybody who hacks in Russia is at hacks at Putin's behest. And that's just bullshit. Which basically means that all bronies today, all bronies and furries that are on the internet shitposting are doing so under Joe Biden's auspices. So thank you, Joe Biden for the bronies oh, and the furries. God, that's terrible. I know, right? Help us out, world. I know there are listeners in other countries, maybe even Kanukistan. Ask, uh, ask your water puddle, your uh, your water puddle man, the Justin Trudeau. He'll uh, maybe he'll come and save us with some mounties or something. Mm. Uh, but yeah, as far as the uh, segue, the Colonial Pipeline, it's coming back online and it's taking its sweet time, even though they went ahead and paid. Uh, allegedly, five million in uh, uh, what ransom money to the uh, actors, and I believe Bitcoin and other hard to trace items. And despite that, even having done so, they still had to rely on their own backups, and they're still getting back up on that. Oh, I mean, even today. That's kind of the difficult part when we start talking about. Uh, a lot of these uh, industrial pipelines is they tend to be written on really, really old code and really, really co old um, infrastructure. And, um, you know, as much as you uh, one of the things that always irked me with cars is you'd get these car manufacturers who would charge you three thousand dollars for a computer in your vehicle and you could build something that was ten times as powerful for a fraction of the price. But when we start talking about a lot of these old machine codes, that are running things like pipelines and most of our infrastructure tends to be on uh, COBOL or Pascal or one of these other really ancient languages that almost nobody's, nobody knows how to code in anymore. And uh, it's, it's all based on a handful of processes which were built in over time and they just kind of clone them and repeat the chipset and copy the, the code back and forth between uh, these machines. And so you have very simple gate checks and, and gate systems and it just kind of sits there. So. The upside to these these systems are uh, banking is run on it and some others. Uh, the upside to these systems is that they're obscure. So typically it's difficult to hack because nobody knows how to do it. The downside is you start talking about something like the like these systems. They haven't gone through the revisions in network security that most of the more advanced languages has simply because nobody's using them. So when you start talking about something like the pipeline, the pipeline goes down and you're like, ah, well, why, why, you know, they, why, why did it take them so long to pay the ransom? Well, that's because nobody knows how to friggin' fix the system and go in and, and like disentangle the malware from the actual hardware. And then once the malware is disentangled, obviously they don't want them to reactivate it again. Right. 
Um, so, you know, how do you, how do you sit there and bring this stuff online and have it be safe? And so there's this, this whole other difficulty in getting that stuff up and running. So well, you, actually, you... let me interrupt you for a quick second with what we were talking about before we got on the air, which was for a time, uh, just before this, uh, ransom attack went through, there was a listing for a, uh, software, head, oh, yeah. a software yeah. security head. I'll have that linked below, by the way. I had to look everywhere for this. It has been just scrubbed from the internet, so I had to go to Al Jazeera to get it. But basically, they just uh, kind of disappeared this. it's By the way, it's in the uh, show links if you scroll up, or the show ideas. But they, um, they seemingly either didn't have one or had just gotten rid of one and had no real plan in place for this. And that's something you were talking about, that this isn't necessarily something you can plan for. And with the uh, obscurity and, honestly, obsolescence of some of these systems, you you kind of can't really do a lot with it either, really. I mean, if I'm just to think about it offhand, like there's not a lot of pre-prep you can do when there aren't, modern systems that work with this, right? Right, exactly. Like, there isn't right. a modern no. antivirus that works on, like, Pascal from, what, 1982? Well, and and beyond that, right, a lot of times these things are going to be... So So what we when we start talking about, and, and for... If you, you want to get into kind of the makerspace area of stuff, one of the things you learn is that most of the, the crap that you buy and sell that you pay lots and lots and lots of money for is not particularly advanced. The technology has been around typically for decades. It's just put together in a unique way that makes it work or it has a better UI. Uh, and that's the same case that's especially true for industrial technology, where at the end of the day, if I was to build something that want, I, I wanted to extrude plastic with, all I have to do is get something that heats, heats it, and then I got to get a thermocouple. And those things are like... You get an alpha code, uh, an alphanumeric code for those kinds of things, and you're you're basically put it together, and you don't really need to care about the controller. Uh, it entirely happens on the background because the actual software that or the uh, the actual raw math that the thing is doing it just happens in the background, and that's kind of what ends up happening here. And I mean, for uh, any of those, of... you only really need a very simple process and a very simple processor, right? right? I mean, it's like on off <clears throat> and time, basically, right? You're you can buy an Arduino for ten bucks, and that's more complicated than what most of these things run on. That's what I understand, actually. Like Arduino hasn't really changed the game all that much because things were really already really simple. Well, what Arduino does is it allows for, and this is why Arduino is much more complex. Arduino allows you to interface with it uh, with its own coding language, so that you can actually program the machine. In reality, most of these things are, you know, you basically buy a chip and it executes the code. Yeah, it does the thing. Basically, uh, as as near as you could compare a, uh, a digital machine to clockwork. Right. Most of these, when we start talking about these circuits, it's, uh, you know, it says go into, a, you know, it's literally binary, right? High voltage, low voltage. If in high voltage, do this. If in low voltage, do this. And that's how they control all their switches. Well, that does make sense. I mean, you're going to want to be running the simplest things you can. A simple solution is a better solution, especially in an engineering situation. Well, 
why uh why screw around with 40 years of success you know what i mean yeah tell that to bill gates then i guess uh screwing around with success is kind of his 40 years of success right yep yep so there you go oh the world is so tiresome so very utterly tiresome But, you know, world of today. Invest in your friends and your family. And don't get super emotionally invested in the rest of the world because they're crazy. Yeah, kind of. And back on the topic of investing, actually, just a quick update. Uh, my Nokia is doing fine. So it looks like that's probably a pretty stable thing if you're interested. It's at, What's uh, this? At Nokia. I mean, I am not by any means a uh, a financial advisor at all, but it seems it's a solid investment. It's at uh, $4.91 a share, and they haven't even gotten started on the Lunar 5G network. Or I think they're going to actually be doing a Lunar 4G network to start. Mm. And Nokia has been pegged to do the work. So once that starts hitting, like once that goes in the news, you see like Nokia satellites going up, and Nokia parts going up to land on the moon, that stock's going to be really worth looking at. So, you know, maybe, uh, again, as a complete novice in the field, probably worth uh, getting on there because that's one of those ones that might be a uh, might be something good to hedge, your, uh, to hedge your money against the coming inflation that we're going to be looking at. GameStop as well, $180. It looks like GameStop has just now made itself into a... Uh, I mean, not a Fortune 500 by any means, but uh, I mean, it's it's solid and it seems to be staying solid, which is absolutely hilarious. You know what? Power to them. I I will say that uh, you know what I so so I haven't actually I've been I haven't been trading lately. Uh, after the market tanked, I just you know I figured I'd step away instead of make any emotional decisions. Um, so you know you didn't I'm buy still... the dip. Uh, no, no, I, so, so right now, right now, everything is kind of volatile and I'm starting to look, uh, trying to look a little bit further out. So everything, you know, I still have my one stock that was a giant mistake and it's, it's, it's ever, ever the teacher of why you shouldn't impulse buy. Um, and I, I actually leave it in my account and take the massive loss that it, it, it throws as a percentage of my account to remind me every single day why I shouldn't impulse buy. Um, sometimes pain is a, is the best teacher, but, uh, Oh, sure. Yeah. One of the things that I have, uh, kind of sat there and started to gear up towards is I suspect with coming inflation and with the advent of technology. So this the previous thing that I should have invested in that I thought about investing in three, four years ago was, um, essentially telework. Right, the mm. ability, the ability to carry that stuff out, because that's where I saw it, th- thought the future was going to be. Uh, right now, and again, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't even know what to, what stocks would be doing this. I actually support uh, home manufacturing. That's probably where I will put some long-term funny, long-term funding is, in, and that is because with the growth of inflation, uh, well, actually, more importantly, the uh, the technological advancement 
that has come with things as well as the simplicity of the materials and and components that we just kind of talked about with the pipeline stuff right it is getting easier and easier to build machines that automatically build other things that we want and or need right 3d printers is one aspect of this but there's a whole bunch of other stuff uh in addition uh, materials like wood and, and those kinds of things are also getting much more expensive. And because of the cost difference, it will eventually be more cost effective, if, especially if prices keep going and, and not, not by much more either. It will eventually become more cost effective for people to make their own stuff at home than for them to just go out to the store and buy it. And if that is the case... Well, especially then home... with your simple goods too. Right. So, so that's kind of that's that's what I'm expecting is that you'll have these multi-use devices, kind of like 3D printers, uh, but maybe at at larger scale, uh, that will build your weaves and build your cloth and build your this and build this, that, or the next thing. And I suspect that home manufacturing, your ability to either produce things at scale and trade those things, uh, and or uh, you just having the ability to take raw materials and turn them into finished goods for yourself is where the future is going to be be that 3d printing um or you know uh, something like the cry kit or the cricket which uh which is like what you see a lot of the the uh what is that that TikTokers use to sell their t-shirts and that kind of stuff can't say um, i'm at all familiar the, with this what is it some it's sort of uh, uh it's kind of like a laser uh laser etcher Oh, okay. So it, it uh, you can basically use it to cut materials, really thin materials, and it'll automatically like you. It's just like a three D printer. You get your slicer, and it goes out and just does a a three D cutout of whatever you need. Um, granted, right now it's a very very small, thin like fabrics, the special materials, stuff like that. But it, it the the design is very simple, and doing you know cutouts like that is exactly the kind of thing that you would need to do. Uh, and I could see that getting scaled up. We as soon as we figure out how to handle metal and get metal to form shapes that we need, we're gonna be right where we need to be. You know, we get we get metal 3D printers, and 3D printers, by the way, can be scaled pretty easily, and you're done. I mean, we're honestly really close right now. Uh, one of the right. uh, parts that I backed that I'll be receiving fairly soon, as a matter of fact, is an all-new hot end that, I mean, if they could get it up a few more degrees, not even a lot, they could start feeding aluminum wire. And that's a whole other issue. I mean, it's a whole other can of worms in addition. You know, actually feeding aluminum wire as opposed to some sort of, you know... Uh, polymer so right there it'd be a whole nother thing to tackle but i mean you know they're i think they're within 50 to 90 degrees uh celsius with their most current iteration so that's really close well i mean and and i could easily see somebody coming up with something that was equivalent to a uh you know a, a circuit fab machine where you take raw silicon wafers and you basically put some photoresist on it and it images a circuit actually you know, maybe that is a thing now is it yeah uh let me i'll find a link for that it went up on um i think it started on kickstarter yeah a uh glow forge 
but that's that's where I I suspect the future is going to be. You know, laser printer. Oh, that's pretty slick. But yeah, it looks like there's um a dedicated machine for it now. That's uh, that's pretty darn slick. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's the same thing as the cricket or the cricket. <clears throat> Yep. Oh, same kind of technology. Same same premise. Oh, right, right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, they basically just work like a um like an old school laser printer like you'd remember, but it's just they're right. printing something different or I guess in the case of the cricket, cutting something, but Right. And that's that's the uh like at the end of the day sitting there and having something that can make these materials for you is going to be key. And I could easily see, you know, uh, is as things go on, it may get cheaper to make your own wood. So, you know, right now a lot of a lot of wood tools and stuff like that. Well, the interesting you, you part about the the, the prices with wood right now is not so much that the wood itself has gone up in price; it's that you've got the problem with the processing and the transport because there's only so many trucks on the road right now, and then with you know, the gas issue that just happened, that drove that back up again. So we're in kind of this, um, well, this inflating bubble, if you will. Well, and that's, yeah, that's a, a separate issue. But, no, that's the, uh, that that's where I will be probably at some point now that taxes are done, which was so amazing. I love running a business at a loss. Um, oh, that's good least. times. It, it is. I, I uh, you know, you get a business and you, you start going through all of the things that you can deduct on your taxes, and it looks like you just you lost a lot of money <laughs> because it's amazing. The tax system is clearly designed to help businesses and not like your average everyday person, and you, you don't realize how how much you can deduct until you actually start running a small business. I highly encourage everybody to just start selling stuff and then start sitting down and deducting stuff on their business. Uh, right now, you know, because my business for the last two years has been a, a complete failure, of course it has, uh, I will be uh, supporting my wife and she will be starting a brand new startup business because uh, every single time you start a business, you get five years of unprofitability. So I'm just going to have to close up shop on my technician business and go switch over to a farm. Oh, well, fair. Good luck on the farm. <laughs> that's right. Well, I, you know, got to pay. Got to my shed costs money, and that's got to store some bee stuff. And so she's got to get a thousand dollars in sales, and I can write off the, write off the shed. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yep. you've got to. Yeah, it's uh, it's a balancing act, right? That's exactly right. A balance of how much money, how much like I, I every single how much can you bought, write off versus how much can you spend? Yep. Well, and you get into a you get into a position with you know you run a small business like I was running a tech business last year, right? And, and there are certain things that you, as the business owner, uh, basically sit there and sum to zero. Like I I was not accounting for my mileage appropriately. Like I know I I paid out for gas, but you should be accounting for mileage. But the hit that you the the mileage balances out uh, younger vehicles with older vehicles, 
So if you get an older vehicle, the amount that you get to deduct for the mileage on that thing is amazing because it's the same thing as if you bought a brand new fleet vehicle. So you end up basically making money um, with your deductions when you get to charge mileage. So mileage is mileage is amazing. <clears throat> uh, it truly is. I've never actually gotten myself quite into a uh, bracket where I can make use of any of that, but... It, it is. I've got, at 50. I've got an idea about it, and they're, if you're making the right amounts of money where you can take advantage of these things, it's incredibly wise to do so because there is a wealth of money you could be throwing away. Well, it, it's it, and that's the thing is you do have to actually generate sales. You are going to have to report those sales, but uh, you know by the time you're done with everything, you know my so in my case with my tech business, I ran mileage. That's that's the largest deduction that I had, but I also deducted meals, right? And so because I did this after work, it's I get to take the dinner rate, right? And the dinner rate is a straight twenty-three dollars for every single call that I did. So I just have to sum up the calls and subtract twenty-three dollars per call, and that's my deduction for that. So that's another chunk of money. Then all of the tools that I buy because I'm a tech, right? I'm sitting there and responding to all of these things as a technician, but I get to keep the cool tools at the end of the day. So where my mileage and my food goes out the window. Um, my tools are, uh, are, are just uh, like, I get to actually keep those. It doesn't matter if I had to run out to, you know, home, uh, home Depot or whatever, because I was on a call and, you know, sometimes your plastic fascia on your TV doesn't come off. Um, I still get to keep the screwdriver that I picked up for that. Right. Or the, you know, I buy a set of, um, I buy a set of friggin' uh, drywall scrapers to pop open the fascia. And I get to keep those. Sure. Uh, but I get to bill them, right? That's still a business expense. Absolutely. You run, in, you run into stuff like that. And then, you know, it, the downside is there's other things that you, you don't, that aren't quite as fun to deduct, like your insurance. Um, not health insurance, but like business insurance. That sucks. Yeah, having to pay for it and having to you, deduct it. If you get into business, it'll be a thing you'll find. I, another one where I've never gotten far enough in or had anything succeed really well enough that... I'd have to worry about insurance. I had a cleaning business that got a start, but again, never really took off. So I didn't uh, really and that's... get to see where that would go. But I mean, I'd done some of the research on it. And yeah, once you get to a, a certain level, that's another thing with starting a business in America. You kind of have to just do a little bit of it under the table until yep. you're kind of moving and just risk it because... Yep. That's unfortunately and also fortunately, that's how our system works. At the end of the day, if you want to run a business, you can, and it's great. Uh, it's actually a lot. One of the things that I, I, you know, I, I spent years going, how do I start a business and all those. You just gotta sell crap. Like that's literally all you do. You start selling crap when you're a business. But at the same time, um, you will run losses. A lot of losses uh, at the start, so don't quit your day job. And if you don't want to quit your day job, then you have to be willing to work more than 40 hours in a week in order to get a business up off the ground. And even then, it's got to hit a threshold. And I would uh, not turn around, you know, you get six months into something and be like, yeah, sweet, I love this money. That's actually where I was. The reason that I am not running my technician business is not just to uh, switch over to my wife and have her start her business from scratch and to get to deduct more things. But um, the contracts that I was running, uh, they dried up. All of a sudden, 
uh, a there was somebody who was competing with me and bidding on stuff and getting that getting the bids before I could uh, respond because I, I work at a classified site. But on top of that, uh, and yeah, he's probably also underbidding me, uh, or I'm assuming it's a he because it's a tech business. Uh, the second thing that I, I ran into is one of the companies that I was actually getting my uh, my contract supplied by, they lost their contract with Vizio. And so all of a sudden, my my TV repairs went out the window. And so I either have to be in a position where I'm willing to sacrifice my current job, right, and go out on calls during the day, uh, or I say, well, you know, I'm going to continue to work that job. So that's one of the reasons why that business has gone under. And I'm, I'll, in the next year, I'm going to be doing some research and find something else to go try. Uh, but it is hard to get started. And you do have to be willing to work, you know, easily 20 to 30 hours in this thing that will pay a lot less. Yeah, they say a restaurant doesn't... Uh, you If you open a restaurant... Uh, the old saying was something like you have to be willing to run the place for three years. The first year you're in the red. The second year you're less in the red. And the third year you're finally in the black. Or, uh, or maybe like the first year you're in the red, the second year you're not in the red, and then the uh, third year you're in the black. But either way, yeah, it's, right. it's so one of those things. You're... You have to kind of expect to run at a loss in any given business, but the restaurant industry, oh, God, especially this last year has just been fucking killer for people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's you know, that's... I far, firmly believe that you should uh, you should run your own business, A, so that you can take as much of your money back from the government as is possible. Especially um, these days. Especially these days. Um, well, I mean, always. But, yeah, in uh, general, but, you know. Uh, on top of that, I also think that you should run a business to learn how to do it. Um, and, you know, if you are your own boss, you don't have to worry about getting fired or any of the other stuff. But at the same time, Yes, it at the end of the day, it is you who chooses if you're canceling yourself. Right. Well, and, 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 you know, at the end of the day, you also have other other advantages and disadvantages, too. So you start learning how to do things like manage contracts, right? You you understand, you know, how to negotiate stuff. So you started off like they, they'd sit there and they'd put out a, a, a bid for 40 bucks on a TV job or something like that. I'd be like, I'm not going to work for that. And the first time I did it, I think I bid 75. And I was like, ah, well, they paid that. And then I, I bid up to 100. And then they pay that. And then you bid, uh, you know, I sat there for a little bit, and then I went 110, right? And as time went on, I eventually just increased my, my rate up until the point where I found out where they will no longer, you know, just immediately sign off on it. And I just took a step back for like five bucks on that. And that was my operating rate. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And that's another thing that a lot of people are going to have problems with. I mean, start with an amount that is fair to you, but not that you don't feel you're being extorted, and work your way up. Well, what you, you if you have somebody who's reliable, right, or you, you see a, a job type that's reliable, you can take something that you feel exploited at, uh, as long as you are slowly increasing that increment over time. I suppose that makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, you you don't want to be doing the work for free. Right, you don't want to be doing the work for free. But at the same time, you uh, you want to make sure that you, you enjoy what you're doing. 
you can manage it and uh, do it well and do it quickly. Uh, one of the things that was nice about the tech stuff was it was piecemeal work, and piecemeal work is always great because the faster you work, the more money you make. Oh, yeah. No, or even if you're not making more money, you are spending less of your time on the amount you're going to get at the end. Right, exactly. Well, so, and so that time your is money, unit, so, you yeah. know. That's exactly right. I, I always I always look at um, everything that I do, whether it's hobbies um, or, or whatever, as time per unit value of money. And when you actually go through this, this is like the first key step to running a business. As soon as you value your time in a, it at, properly value your time, um, you can actually sit there and start uh, working on accumulating wealth and moving up the rungs of society because you know now you're sitting there and saying okay i'm going to trade at this value for my 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 time and then i'm going to trade at this value for my time and i'm going to trade at that value for my time and you can start looking at new things to try and uh, those things will move you up or down instead of the kind of semi-chaotic process that we have uh wherein you you guess as to whether or not you're going to be good at something yeah so <clears throat> something you can actually kind of take away from that if you've got any schooling and let's say you've got some schooling and it's proving to be largely useless to you. There is still something in there that you can use. You know, I've got a tech degree. I've got an IT uh, networking degree. There's no networking work where I live. I deliver Chinese food. And, you know, so I thought, well, I know tech. I know science. Why don't I talk to some of my friends and put together an interesting podcast? So here we are. You know, just uh, play to whatever strengths you might happen to have. You uh, you might surprise yourself. I uh, I while I don't support diversity as a is a strength in terms of you know how the left likes likes to use it. I do support diversity as a strength in terms of knowledge. Uh, the the greater your flexibility in your the greater your applicability to a wide variety of positions, the better off you'll uh, you'll do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you don't necessarily want to be a jack-of-all-trades. I can say that myself, having uh, made it this many years and not being a specialist, I'm just not making the big bucks. But I do, um, I can offer a take on about anything, for whatever that's worth. But above and beyond that, I can handle most of the problems that I encounter in my life, which a number of folks can't. So, you know, you have to take the value where you can see it. And, speaking of value and masterful segues, I had a link to this. This actually came out about uh, two or three days ago from uh, Tech Explore. So, Ford is uh, going to be tying in their infotainment systems with billboard systems. So that uh, you're going to be getting all oh. the more data in your vehicles all the time about uh, what you ought to be buying. Which, honestly, it's not necessarily a bad thing because the billboards are there for a lot of your local businesses. You know, you don't see an Amazon billboard. You see a billboard for whatever, Bob's uh, Bob's Law and Steak. Or, um, you know, Bail Bonds and Guns. What have you. I, I suppose, but I, if they don't have a way to disable it, I'm going to be... I, well, I mean, I would never... I don't buy Fords anyways. 
Yeah, fair. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, not really particularly interested either myself. I'm I'm looking I, at trying to get something new, and I'm not even paying any attention to Fords. I uh, it, my personal recommendation is the Subaru Outback. It is it's an funny amazing you mentioned vehicle. that. I'm actually looking at getting another Subaru because I want something all-wheel drive and the best fuel economy in all-wheel drive. Up until right about 2018-19 is Subaru. And I'm looking I, for something uh, from 2014 to 2016 maybe. So I got a uh, 2010 uh, Outback, it's like all the bells and whistles. I got to get in there and modify my my infotainment system because it's. Oh yeah, you know, I know you had talked about that. Did you get the new thing? I I mean I got the new thing. I just never got around to actually installing it. I ran into a problem where, um, it's it's uh, because I got like all the bells and whistles. It has a Harman Kardon audio system that's already amped somewhere down there. Oh, so uh, so I I actually out. have to like yeah I gotta go figure it out and that's the problem mm. that you have is that you uh, you yeah, put it in and the best you're gonna get is amp to an amp mystery. Yeah, and I don't really want to do it. I could probably put it in without a problem into my wife's car because she doesn't have that, and maybe that may be what I do. But I would really like to have you know. Well, I remember you a showed me pictures wrapped. of the thing, and it looks really slick. Like that would really modernize the car. It does, but you know, I picked it up. I picked it up in October, November, and I hate to say it, but I'm not. I'm not really itching to get out there, you know, in chilly weather and go do that. Like, plus I've got to get my my bathroom done and some other stuff. So I've got like, I, my my desk is a mess again because I just finished taxes. But I've got to get all of this stuff kind of finished, and then I get to go futz around with it. And I will be futzing around with it. I just haven't gotten around to doing it yet. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a somewhat similar situation in my life. I've uh, I took out six boxes of crap, and that's all got to go just to the garbage. And then I've got there I, seems I can to... hardly even tell where I took six boxes of crap out of the house. I swear to God, I don't understand how that seems to happen. Like I I built my desk, and then I keep on adding storage space to it, and it keeps on getting filled. And I don't like it's not like needless papers. It's it's all these little things. And, you know, I, I look at them like, all right, so, OK, I've got a couple like I've got a couple. I will say that I have a, you know, a phone box, right? My original phone box with all the serial numbers and shit on it. So that's probably something I could toss. But the rest of it is like, you know, tools. Sure. And I got a, tools, 3D printer stuff. Um, I got some office supplies in one entire cabinet, my router and all my network stuff in another cabinet. Uh, the rest of the stuff on there is all little plugins for my PC. Speaking of which, I actually need to find my damn Amazon headset and go send them a nasty gram. Because that shat the bed. Oh, yeah. On that note, if, uh, if to any listeners I sound at all different, it's because I'm not on the uh, mixer or the regular mic. It decided uh, Windows. Of course, Windows would do this. It decided that it didn't like my mic anymore. It likes the mixer. It just doesn't like to pull audio from it. So I've got to figure that out. So I'm uh, I'm back on the uh, the old workhorse, the classic Blue Yeti, which you know you absolutely can't go wrong with. And I uh, again similar situation here. I've got oh I I don't have adequate storage. Basically I um. The long and short of this is 
I didn't want a family house to leave the family, so instead of letting that happen, I decided to buy it out from the family estate, and uh, here we are. It's got uh, that being done, me being the person buying it, it didn't get emptied out beforehand, so I've got this lovely house that's ready to go, but it's also got a whole family's whole life of stuff. And all the rest of my family have taken everything they're interested in, but now I've got like china and pictures and fixtures and, and paintings and just so much, you know. I don't well, a lot of stuff is going to be going to Goodwill in the uh the very near future. There are going to be a lot of carloads. <laughs> And though I can't write it off, since it is a family house, I'll just, I guess, go ahead and save the receipts, give it to the, uh, maybe that'll be a Christmas present for one of the family members. Here you go, a nice fat write-off for you. Well, there you go. You know, you gotta think outside the box, especially in Joe Biden's America, because uh, write-offs, that's gold, man, because uh, you're gonna be paying a lot more in taxes. Hell, even my uh, even my below the poverty line ass might even be paying uh, more in taxes. Although I kind of doubt it. I well, think at least trying to at least you were like able me. to save your uh, family house. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm legitimately kind of proud of that. It's got uh, there's a lot that needs to be done, but the most pressing issues I actually have. I mean, I've got a roof that no longer leaks. I've got no pipes that leak. As of two days ago, that was an adventure. Uh, you ever, uh, you ever take off a um, pipe from a sink and it just, uh, you know, you go to unscrew it and then the part you're unscrewing just completely comes right off in a ring from the other part of the pipe. Yep. Yeah, that was that was unexpected. I was like, oh, that's that's a, a hairline crack. Nah, nah, it was a crack that went the the whole way around. So. Yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate how that tends to work out. Well, I got lucky. I went to the uh, the local Menards and I was able to get you know the the right P trap for the um for the bathroom sink and get that working. Got the other bathroom sink that's not even connected, not even connected to the water. I do have a I don't have light in there. I don't have a mirror in there. I do have a functional toilet though. And the upstairs toilet's functional, but man, there's a, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, everything works and nothing leaks. And I did have leaks and everything didn't work. So, you know, it's all just a process, right? That's correct. Might be a a bit of an involved process, but it's a process nonetheless. And if you're working at it and you can kind of see some of your progress day by day, even if you're in a bad state of mind, those kind of things, they'll really help carry you through uh, whatever you're going through. Like uh, being able to work on this house and see something get done can carry me through genuinely feeling bad that, uh, you know, something might be going wrong in my life. And that's something that um, I can actually offer as a small piece of advice to anyone suffering through hard times. Little things to take your mind off of the hard times and in addition to give you something of merit that you can see having done them will do you a world of good. It does for me and for the few I've shared this bit of advice with that seems to be helpful. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. And 
I don't actually have anything else I was really wanting to cover. I was kind of thinking we might go in with a short show this week, but uh, was there anything else you were wanting to talk about? Nope, that's it. All right, well, um, you can give him a follow for what it's worth at Ratman720. It probably won't accomplish much, but if you give me a follow at that fake guy, Dan, I'll make sure that any questions you have or any show topics or ideas you've got, get through to any one of us. Or if you've got any questions, too, hit us up. Uh, we've got at least one listener that'll vouch for you know, how good we can be about getting back to you. So it's been a pleasure, and we'll talk to you again soon. Be well and be safe. Keep your powder dry and, uh, you know, your ear to the ground and all that good stuff because the world's gone completely mad and it's all very, very tiresome.